0: welcome to grad chats with dr b i'm your host dr b and today i'm chatting with a group of folks from uca who are all connected in some way to student fees first i have sandra ott who is the director of student accounts next millie goins is with me and she is the assistant director for student wellness and programs and finally i have jessica Miller, who is a library faculty member and focuses on the user's experience with the library. So thank you all for joining me in this episode of Grad Chats with Dr. B. Thanks Thanks for having us. us. So before we jump in and talk about student fees, I'm wondering if each of you could share an interesting or little-known fact about yourself. So let's start with Millie. Millie, an interesting or little-known fact about yourself? All right.
1: Well, a little-known fact about myself is that I am an only middle baby child, how about that? And that, only
0: middle baby child. Okay, so talk a little bit more about that. Tell us a little bit.
1: Let's talk about that. We'll talk about family dynamics. So some students may be able to relate to this fun fact. I have a half-sister who's nine years older than I am, so okay. that kind of made me, you know, the baby only child, right, uh, mm-hmm. for a little bit of time. And then I have a step-family where I okay. ended up being a middle child. And Oh, wow. <laughs> Right? And then I have my pretend adopted family where I am an only child. So I got to experience birth order in a couple different ways. So that's an interesting and fun fact.
0: And unique. I suspect there are not many people that can claim that one. That's awesome, Millie. Thanks for getting us started. Let's go to Sandra now. Sandra, an interesting or little-known fact about you.
2: Well, this one kind of ties into UCA. So my great grandfather is, or was a World War II vet that mm-hmm. happened to die in the line of duty in his, or soon after. Um, and so he is one of the oak trees here on UCA campus okay. and his tree just happens to be the one that I get to stare at every single day outside my office window.
0: That's awesome. So can you, for the listener who may not know about that, can you speak mm-hmm. for just a
2: minute about those trees? Yeah, so it is a UCA tradition that for our World War II students who served and either died in the line of duty or soon after the after service, they are honored on campus with an oak tree that has been planted in their memory. And so there's oh, I don't even know how many oak trees right. on campus dedicated to those to those service members, but it is a lot. And so my grandfather, great grandfather, just happens to be one of those service members in. At at tree every
0: single day. That's wonderful. What a cool story. And what a nice connection to our campus. Yeah, that's nice. So Jessica, you, let's go to you. An interesting or little known fact about Jessica?
3: Well, I, you know, there's a stereotype about librarians that we all just kind of get to read books <laughs> all the time, you know. That's not true. <laughs> It's, you know, (laughs) not during the work hours, typically, although there are a sect of uh, sect, a sect of librarians. (laughs) Yes, I'm going to I'm going to go with sect uh, who do read what we call readers advisory and they they read for their jobs. But I actually enjoy reading horror novels and watching horror movies. And I don't think you would immediately pick up on that just talking to me. No, or I would not. <laughs> in Person, but that's my favorite genre. You know, spooky month is coming up, but spooky month is all year long for me. Right.
0: So. so, did you grow up always interested in the horror stories I and I did.
3: Yes, yeah, so my uh my parents were divorced and when I would go visit my mom, mm-hmm. um, she was always into these really scary and old scary movies as well but the first one i remember watching which it took me probably 20 years to watch it again was mm-hmm. um alien the the haunted house novel in space or haunted house movie in space so mm-hmm. that was probably my first one and really scared <laughs> me and for some reason i keep watching them
0: right i would have never guessed that i did not like horror movies growing up but i do as an adult and so my husband and I watch them all the time. He reads the books too, though I've never read the books. So
3: I feel like sometimes it's I like to be scared by things that are like outside of the the real world. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> then sometimes it makes real life, you know, as less scary, maybe.
0: Right. Well, I can see Sandra shaking her head saying, no, no, no. And Millie um, has gotten really quiet. So maybe we should go ahead and
1: shift gears now. Well, <laughs> <And laughs> I mean, You know, I will say something that I've, I realized this weekend. This is What's a stink fun fact too, I suppose. So horror doesn't really appeal to me, but I've been watching American Horror Stories mm-hmm. and this new season or whatever. And I've been watching it, and just been like, oh, okay. Well, this weekend, the episode I watched had African Americans in it. <laughs> and I realized that typically horror hadn't made me feel that attached to it or linked to mm-hmm. it. I couldn't see myself in it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I could dim- dismiss a lot of what was going on in it. But to have a cast full of, <laughs> of African Americans and it'd be so scary. I was like, right. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Suddenly
0: you saw yourself in there dealing with these things. I I did. I absolutely
1: (laughs) did. I could relate. I couldn't dismiss that. Oh, this is, you know, fiction or whatever. There was a connection there that I wasn't expecting. And so, yeah, all the years I've not really thought anything about Bloody Mary. But now I'm like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, Jessica, you're laughing. Have you seen that episode? Uh, you have to go look at that episode. And then... I need to
3: look. I don't really watch American Horror Story, actually, surprisingly.
1: <laughs> well, this one, uh, or th- there's one plural and then there's one that's singular, but I think it's the plural story. Okay. It has this and new episodes. And so, wow.
0: So, I'm going to be honest. I don't know how to transfer from horror stories and so forth
1: to fees at college, but
0: I'm going to do it. I just did it. So, let's switch gears now. (laughs) Both are scary. Well, they can be. And so, part of Today's talk is understanding fees a little bit and really trying to get at why do we have them and where do they go and how do we benefit from those. So I'm switching topics, I want to start with Sandra because I feel like, Sandra, you can share information related to fees sort of in general. So let's just start with a basic question. Why do students have to pay fees on top of the tuition that they are
2: already paying? Well, this is a good question. And it's one that we get a lot over here in the student accounts office. And so students pay fees because they help fund different buildings, different activities, or even services across campus. So whenever we're setting up the fees, we try really hard to make sure that the description is as transparent as possible. That way, students have a better idea as to what they're being charged for. So, for example, the library fee is called the library fee and then student health is student health. And then we have the hyper fee, which is called the hyper fee. So we try to be very clear and transparent for students to know what it is that they're being charged for.
0: Graduate students pay several fees, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you listed the fees that a graduate student pays in order by amount, like what are the top three largest fees paid?
2: Well, it depends on how you look at the tuition and fees. You have some tuition and fees that are going to be charged on a per credit hour basis, Mm -hmm. and then some tuition and fees that are just a flat rate. A one-hour student, the highest amount that you would be paying would be the student health fee. But if you are a graduate student that is full-time taking 12 hours, it would not necessarily be that grad. It's the student health fee would not be the largest one that you're mm-hmm. being, you're being charged. But if you're just looking at the actual dollar amount, the three largest are probably the student health fee, which helps support our student health center, the access and security fee which helps support student parking passes, the campus surveillance, emergency call posts, the outdoor siren, mass notification systems, et cetera. The facilities fees, which helps pay off bonds that were used to either build or renovate buildings around campus.
0: What are the smallest fees, like the top three small fees?
2: Again, we're looking back at it depends on how you're looking at it. Yeah, just kind of looking at that dollar amount, Um, probably the three smallest ones that I would say would be the student success fee, which helps support the academic success center, the writing center, student support and resource centers, tutors, et cetera. The student activities board fee, which provides funds for on-campus concerts, comedians, spring fling carnival, et cetera. And then the library fee, which Jessica can speak more on, but it also helps support library improvements, online databases, et cetera.
0: Well, one of the questions that I get a lot, because I'll be talking to potential graduate students that are looking at online programs. And so I'm curious, do students that are in online programs, do they pay the same fees as someone who might be in a hybrid or a traditional program? And you know, why or why not?
2: For the most part, yes. Online students pay the amount in their, those per credit hour fees. but We present them as one charge. So that's the online course fee that students would see on their bill. It does also include a $25 per credit hour online technology fee which Mm -hmm. helps support information technology along with the on-campus support services. However, those online students are not paying for the activity fee, a publication fee, or a radio station fee. So it ends up being very similar if they're taking an online class versus a hybrid or traditional class. Okay. Now that's not getting into the fully online students, but that is such Mm -hmm. a small program with very small few degrees that most students, Mm -hmm. whenever they're taking online, charge that online course.
0: Well, one of the things, and you mentioned it, and I want to learn a little bit more about it, is the library fee. And so I'm going to turn now to Jessica and ask, what are some examples of things paid for with the library fee?
3: Yeah, I didn't realize we were one of the smallest fees. So I'm not sure whether to be proud or not proud <laughs> <laughs> about that. But, um, so the bulk of the library fee money supports the salaries for our overnight crew. In case anybody doesn't know, our hours. We open at Sunday, 2 p.m. Mm-hmm. We don't close until Friday at 5 p.m. So we're wow. open that whole time. The building is open that whole time. And then we do also have Saturday hours, 10 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. So the, the bulk of the library fees supports the salaries for the Mm -hmm. people who are here overnight. We also use fee money. And I I think Sandra kind of mentioned this in facilities, but so we've kind of taken advantage of some of that money in the past, but we also use fee money to buy furniture for the library, to purchase textbooks. We have a textbook reserve program. Most of that is for the undergraduate students, but that's, Mm -hmm. that's what that money goes to. And then we do give some money of the fee back to students in the form of preloaded printing funds. So every semester you'll have a line that just says lib, I think it says lib print funds. Mm -hmm. And you should have five dollars at the beginning of the semester or possibly if your fee has rolled over from semester to semester. I think it does for a year and then it resets itself. But you should have five dollars for printing in the library. That's only in the library. It's not other places on campus. So that's all of these sort of or most of the physical stuff that the library goes to. We do also use a lot of our fee to purchase databases and journal subscriptions so those okay. are all online every student has access to those. The the library database world is quite complicated mm-hmm. from the back end and those subscriptions can be quite expensive. Some some of the individual databases may be 56,000 dollars 60,000 a year or more. So we use the fees to help us purchase a lot of those some of our most popular ones. And then one thing, we sort of get some of the fee sort of allocated to special projects as well. And uh, one of the things we were able to use library fee money for this year, and a lot of your grad students may have heard about this, is the Library Survival Guide. Mm -hmm. So it's a little booklet that we make full of research tips from beginner to advanced It talks about the features of the library and then also gives, uh, this year we added a new grad student section. Thank Um, you. (laughs) <laughs> with like, yeah, it just it said it, it's called advanced researching. It's not called uh, you know, grad students start here, <laughs> but it talks a lot about stuff we've taught for grad mm-hmm. classes, like citation management mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So and those I think
0: y'all some... mailed that out, right, to all we online did. Online yes, we
3: students. we yeah. actually had to. Uh, well, we didn't have to justify, but we had a little conversation about whether the printing and mailing was part of the student fee or not, mm-hmm. and we decided that it was. So
0: good. Excellent. Let's pretend for a second that you have a student, like a graduate student, and they, you know, they're listening to this fee conversation and they know they pay this fee. And you just talked about library fees and they're like, okay, but what am I getting out of it? So, like, Mm -hmm. what do you say to the student who wants to get the most out of their library fee? In other words, what are the library resources that graduate students should be tapping into?
3: So, I mean, it's it's our databases and journal subscriptions through, through those databases, essentially. The best advice I can give, because I, I know people realize like, oh, yeah, library databases, you can get access to stuff through there. But I think the best advice I can give and the best way to make best use of those is to go to the library databases first and not make Google Scholar or researchgate, or Mm -hmm. academia.edu. Those are all fine sites. I make use of them, you know, too. But to not make those your first stops, because you're adding sort of an extra step in your research process that you might Mm -hmm. not have to do. If you go through our databases, you know whether you have access to something, you know you're not going to, Google Scholar's not going to say you have to pay you know, $50 to have this article for two hours because <laughs> they do that yeah. sometimes, <laughs> you know, or or if you're going to these sort of like researchgateacademia.edu, the versions that are uploaded to those places might not be the final version or the version that you're citing, or they may have been changed somehow. They may be pre-peer review, something mm-hmm. like that. So when you go to our databases, you know exactly what you're getting. I think people know probably about maybe our three most used, Academic Search Complete, which is an EBSCO product. So if you're using EBSCO, that's probably the one you're using. ProQuest Central, mm-hmm. and the JSTOR is another big one. But we do have a lot of specialized databases. We have 133 different databases. Wow. Wow. We have a lot of specialized databases that can really help you do focused research in mm-hmm. your area of specialty. And so even though my salary isn't paid out of the library fee, you can ask librarians. We have myriad ways for, for us to help you figure mm-hmm. out how to navigate those databases and find good quality research.
0: And are y'all available to meet with online students? Like, can they set up a virtual meeting and
3: yes, learn how we to do, do those things? We sort of default all of our appointments to online. We found that okay. even if you're on campus, it's it's most of the time easier than, you know, waiting for somebody to like, they have to sprint over here between classes or whatever. Mm-hmm. So those are all online. We also have a chat service that is online. Currently I would suggest only using it on a computer. It's a little unreliable if you're on a mobile phone, we are okay. working on getting texting. You can call us if you're on campus and you just want to see our faces. You can come visit us at the reference uh-huh. desk downstairs, but yeah. we. We, we want to be, we also have forms where you can submit questions. We, we are trying to be available in the most ways possible.
0: So Millie, I'm going to turn to you now. My assumption is that student fees support student wellness programs that are in your area, right? So can you talk a little bit about some of the programs and or resources that students should be
1: accessing? Absolutely. So the Department of Campus Recreation and Wellness is a non-academic department, and we're within the Division of Student Services, and most of our department is primarily funded by student fees. So our areas include the hyper center, the aquatics area, our campus outdoor pursuits and activities, fitness group, group exercise, the fitness room intramurals and club sports are included in that we have the challenge course here on campus and then our outdoor fields and maintenance and then also wellness is encompassing that we had a big remodel in 2014 so we have Mm -hmm. a huge facility now it's 115,000 square feet open play on three basketball and racquetball courts. We have a reservable virtual reality golf simulator here, which many may not know about. We have softball and multi-use grass fields. We have reservable volleyball that's out, back, out in the back as well. We have the challenge course that's reservable by student groups, RSOs or outside organizations. We have a massage chair, which is great. It's been moved <laughs> over here to the hyper. So those you can walk in and, and sign up and get a little massage throughout the day, but we have a lot going on out here, and so with our wellness programs and support on campus, we collaborate with other campus areas that fall into the dimensions of wellness that we're focusing on right now, which are emotional, physical, spiritual, intellectual, social, and occupational. And I'd like to expand environmental and financial wellness into that. So one Mm -hmm. of the things that we're getting ready to prepare for is our student wellness fair. So all students are encouraged to come to the student wellness fair because they will have access to learn more information about resources on campus that fit into those dimensions of wellness and to contribute to their overall well-being. We also will have some screenings that'll be available to students during that time. So some students may not be thinking about their vision care and all mm-hmm. of that. So we'll have Sam's Club Optical will be here for that. We have all of our speech path uh, department is going to be doing screenings for hearing. We'll have our nutrition and dietetics departments there. So all of these resources on campus are gonna to come together. We've organized for this event to be able to support students, promote their overall well-being. The thing I wanna point out with fees that are associated here are also the Campus Outdoor pursuit Student Activities area. I've been working with uh, the Assistant Director there to promote wellness through well trips. And so we just got back last week from a guided adventure. We went whitewater rafting. So, uh, oh,
0: yes, one of my but, folks went on that down yeah. the Ocoee. Yeah,
1: <laughs> right. That was a great comfort expansion activity. <laughs> but we had a, a very good time in that. But that's a great opportunity to de-stress We have other activities such as kickbacks that help to minimize or reduce stress in students. That is something that we all, you know, we're talking about fees. Fees can be a a stressor, right? Mm -hmm. Class and uh, grades can be a stressor. Wondering how you can print can be a stressor. So uh, when Jessica mentioned the printing fee, I kind of lit up because that was, that actually came out of a survey for students. What is a fee that you wish you knew about, or what is a service on campus that you wish you knew about when you were a freshman? The fact that they could have some, that they had some free printing came out as I wish I would have known that earlier. So I'm glad mm-hmm. we brought that up here. But in addition to Campus Outdoors and pursuits, we have the weight room. Several types of freeway machines in that room. We have the Aquatic Center, which is a six-lane pool. We have swim lessons that are available to staff and faculty and students. They're free swim lessons for any uh, student that in the spring semester would like to learn how to swim. They can do that. The pool can be rented for personal use if that needed to happen, but or for parties. So you know, we're talking about graduate students who some of them may have children and they want to utilize the facility for that. So you have access as a student to be able to rent the facilities for that type of thing as well. And we have, we have other programming throughout the year, like the club sports, the, ex, the group exercise classes. If you aren't living on campus and you're wanting to come to campus and utilize the facility, it helps you to connect that social wellness aspect and then the physical wellness aspect as well. So those are some things we have to offer.
0: Which brings my follow up question and that is are these
1: resources available to our online students. So online students and Sandra may be able to speak a little bit more to how those fees, she mentioned how the online student may be paying by the hour and not a full flat fee like Mm -hmm. a traditional student would go if they want to have access to the hyper center it is a possibility for them to have access but they do have to pay a fee that that is not being charged to them as an online student but they do Mm -hmm. have the opportunity to pay and i think it's not a huge amount standing but they would come into the hyper and pay that directly and get access to all of these things
0: okay okay yeah so i mean many of our online students are not here and so you know, that's why that fee's not in there for them because they're, for the most part, not here. But Mm -hmm. if you are in the area and wish to access those, it sounds like you can by paying that fee. And
1: you just go to the hyper and chat with y'all about that? Is that the process? Go to the hyper and pay that uh, directly here in the front desk. And so an individual may wonder, well, I don't have to pay that fee. Why would I want to come and pay that fee? But again, I talked about the facility, wonderful facility. So if you're paying for a gym membership, the amount that you would pay in that student fee for access to the hyper would probably outweigh the benefit that you think you're getting from an outside fitness Mm -hmm. facility. Then you also have the opportunity to check out equipment from our COPA area. So kayaks, canoes, tents, all those things that we utilize on that trip that we just went on, those things are available to be checked out. As far as bikes, you can have your bikes repaired. So if you're a student that's online, but you want to get a bike repaired or something like that, those things are available and are part of the student fees that you pay to utilize the hyper. Right. So,
0: and that, I, you may have answered this, but this question popped in my head. So, you mentioned the trip to, um, to go to the Ocoee mm-hmm. and go whitewater rafting last weekend. So, if an online student wanted to do that, they have to pay the hyper fee in order to qualify to go on that trip? Or is that something separate? Or how does that work?
1: I don't know. That is something I would have to check into to get Okay. My- a full understanding of because that particular guided adventure was mm-hmm. we paid a fee to do that adventure which included our travel it mm-hmm. included our accommodations which is the students who went they stayed in a cabin then it also included the food so transportation mm-hmm. lodging and then the adventure itself that was outsourced to another company fee on that it was less than $300 but it covered the whole weekend for that so to answer the question of if you have to already be paying the student fee in order to mm-hmm. go on that trip, it's possible that you may be a let, registered for that trip this if just you okay. showed that you were an actual student. Like okay. we didn't have that open to outside uh, guests, but it was for staff, faculty and all that. So I would think, but I can't be directly okay. held to that.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, I guess I'll have to do a follow-up episode with you, Millie, so that you can <laughs> Give us the answer to that question and maybe talk more about some of y'all's programming.
1: Absolutely. you have got
0: wonderful things happening, plenty of things happening that really, if you're interested in pretty much anything, you find something going on in your, and I know in this little room, we all lit up when you said massage chairs. and so. So that's something that we'll probably all be taking advantage of. Do people line up for the massage chair? Is there a long way?
1: Don't line up for the massage chair because I guess the, the the massage chair has been in different places on campus. And I guess it had a little bit, it was a more of a challenge to get to the massage chair than it is now. And so uh-huh. it's right here in the lobby of the hyper when you walk in, it does have a screened off area so that there is privacy when you use it. But you just mm. have to sign in at the desk and let us know. You get your 10, minute session, there, 10 minutes. session. Is there just one? There is just one right now. If there's
0: your problem. I need two so that me and a friend, right? Like you yeah. know, get more use if you can have your friend comes in and you massage and you chat there together. So um, that sounds I'll like
1: go. a plan. We need to work on getting a grant to get <laughs> exactly. us there. because we don't exactly. want our student fees to go up. We want to get a grant to get some more some to get that we absolutely wonderful well
0: y'all i have really enjoyed chatting with each of you this afternoon and i'm curious if there's anything else that any of y'all would like to share related to taking advantage of all that uca has to offer
2: i would just like to say that the fees are here to help students. So Mm -hmm. we've talked about a couple of different fees. Um, I know whenever I was speaking, we talked about them, about helping students either with their academic, Mm -hmm. with their health and wellness, having something to do on campus and being informed. So I would just encourage any and all students to utilize these services that are available for them. They're great opportunities for students and they're to be used. So students should use them.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you, Sandra, for reminding us of that point that they're here for the purpose of supporting our students, holistically supporting our students. Mm -hmm. So we want to make sure we take advantage of those. Anyone else have any last minute thoughts?
3: Yeah, I was just so I was as we were talking about fees and what we currently use them for, you know, I've been thinking about, OK, what has it been used for throughout the years? And the the library fee, the history of it, it was actually requested by the student government here at UCA. Okay. So that's how we were able to, to get the fee. We had been floating the idea. I wasn't here when any of this happened, but we had been mm-hmm. floating the idea, but it was actually through student government. So if there's if there's something more you would like to see with the, the fees, talk to your student government rep. But, you know, past projects that have been used student fee money have been like our study rooms and stuff like that. And we do have group and individual study rooms if you are able to make it to campus. And the group ones you can sort of reserve. There's a reservation process online. But, yeah, don't think just because the library is typically associated as a physical building that we don't have plenty of services for
1: online students, too. Millie, you got any last thoughts before we end this? Oh, well, just fees overall, and we talked about overall well-being, but I think that you know the the fees that cover your student health fees and that cover the hyper go beyond just things that would be burned this is the fun part of what you get to pay for right so Mm -hmm. we have access to counselors on campus I know that some people don't realize that we have the counseling center and that you have access to that as a student that's part of your student fees the student health center also you can get immunization you can get birth control you can get any of the things that you need attention to with your student health fee. So Mm -hmm. I want to not discount that as well. That's an important piece. Thinking about that they can utilize their, their student fees for. Absolutely. So definitely tap into it.
0: Excellent point. I appreciate you bringing that up. Thank y'all for spending some time with me today and sharing your insights into making the most of your student fees here at UCA. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you to our listeners for listening to this episode of Grad Chats with Dr. B. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and listen to future episodes.